BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. guys and welcome to the stardom cast your weekly or sort of audio source for all things world wondering stardom right here on the pod mania podcasting network i'm your host rob goodwin and i am joined as ever by reggae jesus himself chris o'brien chris o'brien how the devil are you kicking it old school you're kicking it back to when we used to do nxt uk with that one i know i don't know what it was i was lying in the bath and <laughs> and thinking about Chris, <laughs> I was like the bath thinking about Chris. No, Lefty starts to wonder. <laughs> I was looking at something on Facebook, and um, there was a, a picture of Jesus wearing some sort of reggae hat, and it just it just made me think of you, man. Just take it as a compliment. Well, I've concluded this week, Rob, that you don't have a heart. <laughs> that I don't have a heart. Okay. Um, yes. I see where this is going. Go on. You don't like you don't like so many things that are just so wonderful and beautiful. You don't like Greatest Showman, which I'm quite sus about. You don't like La La Land, and that it is a beautiful film. It's objectively a beautiful film. You don't like Scott Pilgrim. How can you not like Scott Pilgrim? <sighs> right. You've thrown a lot of things at me there. Just let's <laughs> let's do one at a time. So I don't like Greatest Showman. I think I've made my opinion and my reasons very, very clear on this podcast over the last couple of weeks as to why I don't like The Greatest Showman. Um, You know, I'm not a big one for musicals. I find them extremely cheesy. I find them extremely forced. And I just, I don't connect with them. You're a wrestling fan. And when wrestlers burst into song on a regular basis in the middle of emotional moments, then maybe I'll start watching wrestling. But that would be amazing, actually. <laughs> yeah, the moment Mayu and Tam start tap dancing down the Los Angeles roads, then maybe I'll stop watching Stardom. Are you thinking about that now? <laughs> I want, I want that so badly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's why I don't like that. And what was the other one you were? Oh, Scott Pilgrim. I just, 
I don't know. I, I didn't really like. I didn't really like Scott Pilgrim before the film came out, and then the film came out. I, just, I didn't. I didn't really like it. Am I too old for it? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that took ages to register. Then it's been a long fucking week. <laughs> Jesus. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's been a long week, man. It's been a long week. How are you, anyway? I'm fine. Been in my Christmas mood. Like, I don't watch Christmas movies until, like, the 12 days of Christmas, which was recently. I watched Love Actually, which was beautiful, and I loved it. Um, I watched... What, what's the other one? Oh, Bummer Christmas Carol, an essential Christmas movie. Absolutely. Christmas. Absolutely. Christmas staple in the Goodwin household. Garth, Garth jumped into Attack Hit the other day. That wasn't fun. Um, oh, there's one more Christmas movie I watched, and it was oh, I know what it was. It was the Kurt Russell one on Netflix. I watched that with Manitas. The, the Kurt Russell one? Oh, the Christmas Chronicles. Yeah, yeah, which is actually surprisingly like with Kurt Russell, it's always going to be entertaining because it's him. But like, it's not. It's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, where you're always going to be entertained, but it's not always going to be good. But it's actually quite good. <laughs> We um, obviously it's the last week in school uh, before Christmas, and it's sort of a, especially now, you know, getting later on towards. I say later on; it's a Tuesday as we're recording this, but later on through the week, um, we're sort of winding down, and you know, we're watching Christmas films and stuff like that. And we put it to a vote because we got Mister Gooding's Netflix up, and we selected five Christmas films. And every year, Chris, without fucking fail we end up watching Nativity. And... I've never actually seen Nativity. I wouldn't bother. Um, <laughs> Isn't David Tennant in it? No, David Tennant's in the second one, uh, which is oh. somehow worse than the first David one. David Tennant's in it. Despite, despite in it. its inherent tenantness, it, it's still worse. Um, um, but this year, I thought, you know what? I've got quite a mature class. You know, they aren't going to watch... They aren't going to want to watch Nativity. And actually, a couple of... I sort of started sounding some of my kids out about I was like you don't want to watch fucking nativity do you and they were like no so good we you know we, we why would we want to watch that no of course we don't i was like get in so we did the vote um muppet's christmas carol um got a couple of votes i was like i'm quietly confident here the grinch with bendit cumberbatch in uh, got a couple of votes and i was like come on get in nativity comes up every fucker's hand sh- shoots up i was like <laughs> not again you little cunt you, you lied little- to me <laughs> so there I am watching that goddamn film again for what feels like the twentieth time, and it's just it's 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 one of those that you you can't hate no matter how shit the film is, how shit the acting is, how shit the premise is, and how much you really want to hate it and how much you don't want to watch it, you end up watching it and you end up engaged in the film, even though you know what happens because you've seen it 18 it's, fucking times. It's like when you're babysitting and there's a kid's show on and you accidentally end up fairly invested in what's happening and then the kid's walked off. <laughs> and you have <laughs> I went in... Um... I went to my mate's house in Gloucestershire, uh, which for our American audiences is um, sort of downwards from Stoke, because like the American audience are going to know where fucking Stoke is. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it is. It's uh, like... it's, it's uh, just uh, to a point. It is the number one uh, infected area in England uh, with coronavirus. So woohoo, go oh, us! We just went back. 
we just went back into tier three that's fun <laughs> yeah we find out if we've come out of tier three tomorrow and there is absolutely not a jot of hope that we are out of it um anyway so i would um i went to go see my friend in gloucestershire and uh, he's got two children uh one of whom appears to be allergic to absolutely everything and then um his i think she was two at the time and um we were sat in his living room and Sean the Sheep was on. Now, bearing in oh. mind that a large Lock majority hell. of Sean the Sheep is silent because Sean the <laughs> Sheep is a sheep and sheep can't talk. Even in, even in that cartoon universe, sheep can't talk. So I found myself, after about 15 episodes of this, um, I found myself ignoring my friend, to watch Sean the Sheep with his two very young children. You just can't help it. You get so invested in the storylines. You know, the plot thickens. Oh, my God. What if that sheep is doing something with this sheep? What if that's an evil sheep? None of it's true, of course. It's a children's program. But even so. Uh, um, about that... Um, have I ever told you about the time I ended up watching a Christmas movie in um, March in school? Right. Because the teacher came in really hungover. <laughs> and he was a um, CDT teacher, which of course means like being in a workshop and he couldn't handle the sound of mallets. <laughs> <laughs> and our school only literally only had like between like ten, five and ten DVDs among all departments that weren't education related. <laughs> so so he just got the one that was in the department which was scrooged and put it on. Outstanding. And told us not to tell anyone. <laughs> it was the sound of mallets. Um, we, should, we should probably get into stardom now. <laughs> well, the reason we are riffing so much is because we are going to talk through uh, four shows today. Not not all the matches. We're not we're not that uh, we're not that mental. But we are. Looking... In my case, the majority of the matches I did end up watching most of them. Yeah, uh, we're talking about the shows from the twenty eighth in Mutsu, the twenty ninth in Moriako. Uh, sorry, Mo- Mori uh, Morioka Morioka. Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when your mind goes by, it's Mario Kart. I don't know why I died myself. Um, from the 6th in Toyama and the 13th as well. We're going to talk all about, about all of those shows, but before we do, just a quick question, Chris. Um, oh. This was posted all over Twitter and it was in our Discord as well. Um, that Tokyo Sports have produced their awards for this year. And the one that really stood out to us, obviously, because we do a stardom podcast, um, was that Julia had won the Woman of the Year award in the Tokyo Sports Awards. And I just wanted to ask your opinion on that, Chris, to be honest. Well, if it's a very political award thing. Like, didn't Okada and Sonata win it last year? Which is, like, obviously just not... Sh- shouldn't be who won it. Um, so it's sort of like PWI, where it comes out and everyone, like, despite knowing it's a political thing, despite knowing that some money for advertising may be involved, um, everyone just sort of bitches about it anyway, which is kind of what happened on Discord, except we mostly agreed. 
<laughs> like, mm. um, but with Julia, if I was giving out the award, it would probably it would probably go to Mayu. Um, but for the most, but like, honestly, Julia is a decent enough pick, especially for how much she's improved over the past year, where she's went from me not being able to stand her to being someone I actually enjoy um, watching. So it's not the worst pick, quite frankly. Like, it's not like. It's not, not even the worst pick on the list, to be honest, because like Tetsuya Endo won Technique, and I wouldn't exactly... I love Tetsuya Endo, but I wouldn't have him as Technique. No. I, I agree with you on both counts. Um, I... It's not an egregious decision to give Julia the award, and it, it certainly hasn't upset me. Um, like you said, she's come on tremendously. If this was an award given out in June, then I think this is a completely different story and I think a lot more people will be upset, but she's come on tremendously. Her promo, and we will get into um, the promo she cuts at the end of Road to a Sack of Dream, um, has become 10 times, 15 times better than they were. Her in-ring stuff is far better, even though, you know, let's face it, her in-ring stuff was never particularly bad. And But I do think if you give it to anyone out of stardom, for the year she's had, it, you can't look past Mayu. She's put on match of the year, you know, candidates every time she's defended the red belt. She's elevated everyone that she has been in the ring with. I mean, she gave Death Yamasan her best five-star match by a country mile, actually managing to perform that elusive comedy match that so many people managed to miss the mark on. So I think I think she did deserve it, but again, you know, it's a political award. I'm not particularly bothered. I was just intrigued to see what you thought and if we were along the same line, which we were. So let's get into some of these shows then. So we'll start then with the 28th of November from Mutsu, the Maida Arena, in front of 561 people. Um, I know that, Chris, you've got a couple of notes for the first two matches. I'll just read out the... Um, sorry, the first three matches. I will just read out the results, and then you can sort of summarise all of those um, afterwards. We opened with Micah defeating Ruaka in 4 minutes and 13 seconds. Uh, Natsupoi then defeated Saki Kashima in 6 minutes and 41 seconds. And then in the third match, Momo Watanabe defeated Mina Shirakawa in 10 minutes and 23 seconds. Chris, anything to say about those three matches? Well, in the case of Natsupoi and Saki Kashima... This is going to sound weird, but it's kind of disappointed me because I thought this would be a nice little trial run for seeing what Saki's like in the high-speed division because Oedetai don't really have a high-speed champion and whenever they're having like a fast start in a tag match, they tend to turn to Saki, so I thought that could be a good place for her. But she kind of kept slowing it down, and it makes sense. It was more my own expectations. The first thing I noticed, though, was how very not socially distanced this audience was. You did send me a picture, and I must admit, I watched this show quite a long time ago now, and... I hadn't noticed it, and I went back to watch uh, the Cosmic Angels match. And once you pointed it out, I was like, Jesus Christ, they they, they really aren't like that far away show, at and all. Half them, and half of them aren't wearing their fucking masks properly. Like, half of them have their nose up and masks. It's like, that's not... You're, you're going to make someone sick, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, this match was fun though. Like that's the boy just always makes me like she's just great. She's I'm just really looking forward to her Azumi match, which probably isn't gonna be until like end year climax. No, but not even end year climax. It's gonna be probably 
anniversary, but oh well. Um, and then the Momo, Momo and Shirakawa match, I did enjoy. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Like the last, when was the last Shirakawa um, singles match? Was it Tam? Mina's. Yeah. No, oh, she's no, had. She she's face, had um, um, she took on Lady C. Oh, okay. Well, this is her highest profile singles match since Tam. I'll say. Yeah. And unlike the unlike the Tam match where like both of us were like actually like was this a good idea for signing? Mina didn't seem out of place. Like she wasn't on Momo's level, obviously. But like the improvement between the Tam match and this match in terms of singles chops, can't fault her. She is getting a lot better. She's throwing the back fist last, which is probably the best decision she's ever made. So, <laughs> yeah, this is... you and that fucking hatred of that move. Because I love a good back fist, right? Like Kenta Kabashi, Eddie Kingston, um, a third person, Aja Kong. There we go. There's a the name. Um, I, I love, I love a good back fist, and Mina Shirakawa wasn't a good back fist, so it's not. Drop it. Let's move on then. Match four, tag team action. Saw the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano and Yunagi defeat Saya Ida and Riho at 10 minutes and 28 seconds with the Tiger Suplex. Cosmic Angels promo, man. Jesus fucking Christ. I, I I don't I don't hate them. I do I'm slightly confused by them half the time, but you know, I I do enjoy them on a like weird level like for i'm someone who watches kaiju big battle sometimes so like i'm into the weirder stuff so i just kind of like the fact that they're clearly like you know going backstage smoking some of the good green you know i, I obviously <laughs> don't take drugs so listen, listen to me but um yeah just i i like i i like the vibe rob i'm into the vibe i don't get it at all man i'll be i'll be honest and too old for it i just <sighs> I don't, there's something not clicking for me. And I must admit, um, post um, 13th of December show, there's a little bit more clarity about Tam's actions. But as a team, I don't understand what their goals are. Like, they just cut the same weird space shuttle promo that doesn't really make any fucking sense like at all i mean tam's always been a fairly strange promo anyway but this is just next level shit and now and once they add mina doing which by the way her english tremendous so absolute props there and i know she can speak english quite well someone in the discord was telling me but now that you've added that bit about i am your cabin girl please put your seat belts on and the fact they transitioned from the word seatbelt into title belt just i don't get them i don't (laughs) understand it i don't particularly like them and i know that we are supposed to see them as faces but i just find them so bizarre and out there and i think it is because i'm so confused over what their actual motivations are as a team i just i don't i don't get it i Yunagi is fine, and that is something that I'm going to be saying a lot during this podcast. I, I don't want to rag on Yunagi, but I'm going to. I mean, she notes in her promo that there was only 10 days between her debut 
and Saya Eders. And I know you can't really compare the two because you've got Yunagi, who debuted in Tokyo Joshi Pro, and it's a completely different system to Saya and the way Stardom run things with their children and rookies. But you compare Saya Eder in this match to Yunagi in this match, it's night and day. And I'm going to say now, over these four shows, my MVP of these four shows is Saya Eder. Just in these four shows, I think she's come on tremendously. She's evolving, changing her move setup. Whereas you've got Yunagi, who quite noticeably gets lost in the middle of the ring, is looking for cues from Tam and more worryingly Mina. I just she she still has such a bland move set. Like her impact moves are a shoulder tackle and a leg drop, and whilst a shoulder tackle can be seen as an impact move with someone like Himika, for example, who uses it quite a lot, Himika does it with such a snap and such venom that you can believe it, whereas Yunagi seems to go through the motions with it. There doesn't seem to be any snap or any venom, and even, you know, again, I know I'm bouncing quite a lot, but in the Star Wars match um, on the 13th, even then, when there was such venom being thrown around, and I think Yunagi was trying to start something with Starlight Kid, that just she just seemed to, she just seemed to be there, and didn't seem to be asserting herself. And I think that's a big problem for me, personally. What about you? Um, in the case of Yunagi, I'm less militantly again. Well, not but I'm less. Um... I don't. I can't find the right word, but like I don't hate hate her as much as you do, and I think I give it some leeway because, like you said, the the different systems. Like you saw how much we ragged on, say, Shiakawa when she came in, mm-hmm. and then we gave her a tag league. She like it, which is a lot of matches very close together to find her steps. Um, Unagi's not really had that, and beyond that, she's also. Um, being put in a position a bit above her station through necessity for the sake of the um, civil war between stars. So, like, honestly, I I understand your criticisms, but I'm trying to be nice to her just because of her experience. Because, again, it's like comparing someone who's been trained in a random school in Britain here to, say, Yotsuji in New Japan. They're two different systems who are going to train you completely differently. I understand that. And again, I want to stress, I don't hate Yunagi. I don't hate her. I find her bland. And I'm completely apathetic towards her, which are two very different things. My problem is that even by now, despite the start that Mina had, we always spoke about how Mina was there was something being developed, okay, in the next stage going forward. And I know she's had a lot, you know, not even a lot more matches. She's never a lot of matches in Tag League. She had like, what, five, I think? Six, maybe? Yeah. But Mina came in with a moveset. And I'm still yet to see, short of the gory bomb, which she does. Well, it's not gory bomb, is it? It's called something else, which I'll have a look at in a minute. That's all she's got. Otherwise, it's strikes. That, that That's it. And the spine buster, which she completely ballsed up on one of the nights. I just, I'm, I'm yet to see anything 
Whereas there was something with Mina, she was great at selling. She got no offense. You know, there was distinct offense, but it wasn't very good. Whereas Yunagi is an okay seller. She's okay at being the babyface in peril, but she has got nothing offensively. And in that match with Sayurida, Starlight Kid, Mayu, Mina, and Tam, she looked completely out of a depth. And I do agree with you. I think she is being put into a position above where she feels comfortable. And I think she's been used far more in this sort of situation than she was in Tokyo Joshi Pro. But there has got to be a little bit of development. And I haven't seen that yet. I've seen no development whatsoever. And from, I don't know, I will, there'll be chat of me talking about this all the way through the podcast, so I'm not going to do it all now. This match was fine. I am completely behind Cosmic Angels using the 3D. I think it looked really, really good, so keep using that, for God's sake. Um, but otherwise, it's a pretty clean-cut match. There's nothing really to talk about, apart from Tam trying to poach Sayurida at the end. Is there anything you want to add to that, Chris? Yeah, um, I think so, but that really comes that more down to Night 3 than... Um... This night, I needless to say, I'm not a massive fan at this point. Um, again, Sairida, is coming out like a fucking pocket rocket nowadays. Oh, she's great. She like, is great. Yeah, she, those um, the machine gun chops. I, they weren't great during the five star, but they have gotten a fair bit better. She's got. I don't know what it is. There's a real fire underneath Sairida at the moment, and whereas before the chops, you know, they were there and they looked relatively painful, but you know, there was something missing. There's that fire and that drive now as well. And like I said before, she was playing to the audience and things like that. So that's changed. It could just be a confidence thing. Yeah, probably, because it must be weird suddenly going from like training in a dojo to wrestling in front of an audience and then wrestling in front of no audience and then an audience again. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And considering she wasn't supposed to be in the five-star either. She replaced Saki. Mm-hmm. So, so that might yeah. have played into it. Um, what do you think about this whole who's going to get Sayurida in the divorce gimmick? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm into it. I, I I like seeing broken homes. So Whoa. I'm. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's a storyline that I enjoy it because um, oh Christ, what what I'm trying to remember what um what other breakup storyline had? Oh, it was the Bullet Club one from 2018. Mm. Like, who's gonna get Ishimori in the divorce? That was a fun one. Yeah. So like, will someone give Chase Owens a home? Um. So yeah, I I do enjoy that, mm. and that sort of played into what's happening pretty soon. That match was happening pretty soon, which I'm actually pretty excited about because of a tweet May put out. I mean, it's added a really good wrinkle to this story. And despite me talking about Yunagi like I was for about 15 minutes, apparently, before this match, I am really, really, really into this star storyline, especially after um, the tail end of that Road 2 show. Um, I do... I can't imagine Sayurida doing all that cutest in the cosmos shit. When you think about her gimmick <laughs> as Gorilla Power, I don't really imagine that you know, Sayurida doing that whole delicious bit, do you? You you know what I'd love? 
if um, they decided to write Cosmic Angel can have Cyrida, and then she walked over and they were like, now you're too short to write. <laughs> Bless her, I think she would stick out, because all... Well, no, because Tam's pretty short. Tam's short, but like it's almost like she's for... Um, like, you know, the little rascals have the smallest ones always for... <laughs> yeah, I get that. Always be aggressive. <laughs> um, this match was fine. I gave it six, Chris. Um, yeah, I gave it high five or six. It was fine. Match five then. Mayu and Starlight Kid defeated B Priestley and Natsukatora at 12 minutes and 38 via DQ. Uh, this was the... Ah! I know. This was the match we talked about... Um, last podcast last episode uh, that drew the ire of quite a few japanese twitter users who were talking about the way Awida Tai have been booked recently and this this sort of epitomized it's the, it it's drawn the ire of chris it's drawn the ire of chris i mean i'm not going to rant about Awida Tai. i think we've I, we've done that now i i want it because like what's their end goal like what does this because like I get part of a ratatai is oh, we want to disrupt the status quo or fucking whatever, but like how does this do that? You can't like if this was an actual like fighting league, they would have been fired ages ago for the chain, and just ha- one day they're gonna have to go for a title, and it's they're not going to have naturally like especially in um Taurus case, she's not going to have naturally earned it. It's I'll just see if we, again we had like what. I'm pretty sure that rant went on like 15 minutes last week, so I don't want to make a big make a big thing out of it. But the worst thing a wrestler or a team can do is make me feel like I've wasted my time. Because like the stuff before the DQ was actually not too bad. Like again, there's something there with Tora. There's a reason why it took me so long to give up on her. But she never showed. Like I get part of its booking, but there's better ways to do shit like this because it's for chain every fucking time <laughs> and it's ruined so many good matches and i'm just done with it like i'm always like if i wasn't fucking if i wasn't doing a podcast i probably would just skip a wet time matches because every time i watch one they're not long they're normally like 10 minutes long but i feel like i've wasted both 10 minutes and i could have done so much with about 10 minutes i could have told someone i love them who i never t- tell i love them because life is short and we're all gonna die one day i could think a lot i normally think during a wet time matches actually yeah just fuck a wet time matches um <laughs> <laughs> i i agree on every count i mean the the only reason i'm not moaning about it is because i moaned about it all last week i'm not gonna moan about it again there were some good things in this match everything before those two fucking chain spots were were great um, Mayu's suicide dive is a thing of beauty. Um, I think it's probably only beaten out for me by Ryu Lee's. Um, I think Tora's spear is superb. Um, Starlight Kid changing direction for that frog splash just looks so clean and so crisp. It looks incredible. But you're right, you know, it, it's not heel heat. It's just, I want to skip your match because you're boring and it's a bit predictable. And I think if you want to disrupt the status quo, which has, you know, always been the sort of moniker of a weeder tie, or at least it has been since I've been watching, surely doing the same thing over and over again is completely counterproductive. But um, as this annoys me more in a different match than it does in this match, uh, let's move on. Um... I did give this benefit of the doubt. I gave it six just because it was in danger 
of becoming a very, very, very good match before all the bollocks. <laughs> In danger, like Oedita is really scared of high quality. Well, that seems to be the problem at the moment. Let's move on then. Match number six in the main event of this show was a six-woman tag. DDM team of Julia Himiko and Suri defeating Queen's Quest, Utami, Azumi, and Sayaka Matani at 16 minutes and 24 seconds with the buzzsaw kick. There was a really lovely visual at the start of this match. I don't know if you caught it, Chris, but it was Momo having to hold the ropes for Utami as she brought the flag into the ring. And I know that, you know, it's a very simple thing. And I know that Momo had a match earlier. But what a lovely visual. The challenger, the mm-hmm. leader of Queen's Quest, having been offered a title shot by her stablemate, not earned, having to hold the ring ropes as the person who's got the red belt before her enters the ring holding the flag of their stable. I just thought that was a really, really lovely visual to start this match. Yeah, it was just, you know, I was like, have you ever, this is going to be like a weirdly specific reference, but Vengeance 2004, there was a um, visual of like Randy Orton behind like in silhouette when Triple H was doing his entrance. It was a bit like that. It's just, it's a lovely little bit of foreshadowing. And I just love shit like that. Mm. I love little touches like that. It was great. Yeah, this was a fun little main event, even if it did contain Utami dropping Julia on her fucking head, on, which was terrifying. Right on her head. Like, um, there's someone in our Discord who really doesn't like B Priestley, and she was talking about B's Bart. I'm like, didn't you see Julia <laughs> get, getting dropped in her head? Like, props to Julia, though. She didn't miss a beat after that. She really didn't. She bounced back up, didn't she? Yeah, it was. Just, she sort of like just managed to roll through it and just continue onto another spot because there's no way there was going to be a spot planned after that it was going to be like a big backdrop spot but she was just dropped halfway through i'm very curious about how the botch happened because like normally you just drop with her wouldn't you so i don't know it was it was for so julia's on the apron and Mm. utami is attempting to what back suplex it back into the ring isn't she and i don't Mm, know if she just doesn't get the right amount of leverage but I don't know if it's the fact that leaning over the top rope, you can't get the purchase you need, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's angles. Maybe she just slipped. I, d- I don't know. Yeah. It, it looked a dangerous spot beforehand. Mm. It's not... It's weird for a time, because she's not botchy, is she? Like, not at all. If she is, it's been very, very small up to now. Yeah. Apart from like when in the recent match where that seems to be the whole point. But yeah, so I don't know. It's like it's not a black mark and like honestly the only thing you can really take out of it apart from yay, no one died, is Julia's really good in a crisis. Absolutely. Calming influence, Cause, mate. Yeah, because she managed to like just call a different spot because again both people would have been down. So she managed to just call a Lariat and the match continued how it was. Like it's better than like the Walter um idea of fixing a match which is just chop you harder until you fall over (laughs) there was quite an extended julia and utami sequence in this match Mm -hmm. and obviously i i can't imagine we are long before julia is in that red belt scene um and you imagine that as the ddm and queen's quest storylines are so interlinked especially in the lead up to a sack of dream I can't help feeling that 
Julia being a red belt challenger is very, very close on the horizon. Are you excited at the thought of a possible Utami and Julia program? Have you faced before? I distinctly remember that being a match. It wasn't even five star. Um, was it in Cinderella? Did they face in Cinderella? Um, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. I, 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 I swear to God, I can remember them facing at some point. I just can't remember when. It would have been early on then. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm just like misremembering a tag match. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would be a decent enough program. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not against it. I'm not like particularly hype for it yet, but like that's not because I haven't seen what Utami's going to be like a champion. Mm. So like I can't really gauge what programs will and won't work. So I, I'm not against it. It's, it's not like I'm hearing it and going, ah, fuck this, I'm out. But it, it should be fine. <laughs> it's not Torah challenging is what you're saying. Yeah. No, basically what I'm thinking, it's like when you hear, like, you know when you hear the new Planet of the Apes movie coming out, it's like, well, I'm not going to hate it. I'll watch just it. Not sure. but... <laughs> but, like, I'll watch it and I'll probably enjoy it. I'm not going to think about it much when it's over. Well, I have to. I have a podcast. But after that, I <laughs> um, It's Sai's birthday and we celebrate this by her being fucking murdered in the lead-up to the finishing buzzsaw kick. They hit that poor girl with fucking everything before the end of this match. They absolutely destroyed her. You're not going to sell? Well, we're going to force you to sell. (laughs) Um, I I love the fact that they're keeping Siori so strong in this match. Do you have birthday dumps down in England? Um, We have birthday beats. Which is probably the same thing. We hit someone for the amount of time they've been alive. Yeah, which is why. Yeah, it, it, that's the kind of culture we live in nowadays. It's your birthday. Well, I'm going to beat you up for being born on this day. Nowadays, <laughs> that's been every birthday for the past 15 years. <laughs> and the only reason it wasn't before that is because it's poor form to hit a child. <laughs> um, where were you going with that? Just just wanting to know if there was birthday beats and you're wondering if that's what Saya was getting. Yeah, that's that, that's what she is. It's like is that just what's happening except <laughs> replace punches with fin- with um signature moves. It was like Siori had stored up all her finishes on Here Comes the Pain and just used them in one horrible volley of moves. <laughs> it was it's like, like in- oh my god. It- it's like in Fire Pro where you're against an AI who just won't stay down. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I gave it six. It was a fine main event. You know, it was it was there. You'll hear us saying this a lot, um, especially in the first three of these shows. They are effectively glorified house shows. So aside from I, the stars stuff, not a lot happens. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the dynamics of this match, like um, how Shiri was like the default high-speed worker with Azumi because Himika and Julia are the size they are, mm. and that, that, therefore you had a pretty obvious like hot tag dynamic, which ended up being really fun. Um, Saya is just getting better every match. She's one of those people who just keep getting better. She just needs to learn to sell the leg, but no one's targeting the leg anymore. So <laughs> apparently everyone, everyone else has been forced to learn their lesson, but not her. Everyone, everyone like, got the memo. Just don't target her legs, guys. Just, just leave it. Okay. Like, 
she's that one person in the class who's allergic to peanuts and therefore ruins it for everyone. <laughs> I must admit, she's in our Stardom End of Year Awards. I'd be amazed if Sayakamatani doesn't get it. I imagine it'll be between Sayakamatani and Starlight Kid. Um, but Saya, from where she was, and we took we've talked about this before, but where she was, even from when we went into lockdown and Stardom stopped putting out live content, to where she is now is just tremendous. And yes, there's still a slight anomaly in the selling, but I, I haven't noticed, and you know how much I hate lack of selling, and I haven't noticed it in weeks and weeks and weeks. So yeah, for me, she's she's improved hugely. Um, what did you give it? Um, I'm feeling a high six or seven. Yeah, completely in agreement. Let's move on to the 29th show then from Marioka, or as I called it earlier, Mario Cox. I can't fucking read without my glasses on. Um, and this is in front of 466 people in the Marioka Gymnasium. Um, Chris, I'll just fire through these first two matches and then you can do what you did before and summarise any thoughts you've got about them. We started with match one, Riho defeating Ruaka in 5 minutes and 12 seconds, and then B Priestley defeating Saya Kamatani in 7 minutes and 20 seconds. What were your overall thoughts on these first two singles matches? Um, I skipped the first one, but the second one, it was fine for what it was. There's not a ton you can do where seven minutes, but B and Sire work fairly well together. To be fair, the two people who are mostly there for the moves and nothing else, so yeah, they work well with each other in that respect. B keeps doing the cheeky Nando's kick, which I know she did it before, but right, but even, but now it's somehow more egregious. <laughs> and it's, I just find it... I just, like, the cheeky Nando's kick as a move... It's just a move ahead because there's uh, like I've seen it be transitioned into um naturally may, ha, may um, I can probably count it on one hand and I've seen Will Ospreay in like 10 different promotions. <laughs> it's a pretty so, contrived move, let's be perfectly honest. Yeah, and it's I, and I hate it because it does like it, it's like all the stereotypes of this kind of wrestling put into one move it's really contrived as a super kick so <laughs> does, it's I, I don't i don't know why it's endured this long i think it because like even um like cheeky nando's let's just go over everyone's head who doesn't live in britain oh yeah 100 percent. are there even nando's in america I... surely nando's america there is... I cannot believe you're fucking Googling this now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nando's locations. Here we go. Um, find. This Washington. is certainly the high quality content that people tune into the Stardom cast for. Or Googling oh, locations of local fucking okay, Nando's. They're in Washington, but do we have them in Tokyo? Tokyo. They do not. <laughs> Internal server error. So I'm going to take back the no, we do not. <laughs> You broke Google in your search for a Japanese Nando's. No, no, I was for Nando's. Like, I'm Nando's Japan. Um, well, there's a Japanese Nando's account, so I imagine there probably I mean, is. Yeah, imagine if, like, for some reason, like, I imagine now if I go to Japan and I'm just like, oh man, I don't know what to eat. Nando's, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> Match three, then, was a six-woman tag with the Cosmic Angels defeating my Himipoi at 13 minutes and 15 seconds with <laughs> the Tiger Suplex. That's what they referred to themselves as. 
<laughs> oh, you actually? I thought that was just like I thought that was lag. <laughs> no, no, my Hemi Poi was what they would call themselves in the pre-match promo. I wish I'd just taken credit for it now. Um, <laughs> quite. Been... <laughs> to be fair, like we seem to have a like in just our personal chat, we seem to have a weird in joke for everyone. Like every time Unagi's mentioned, the Ross gif. Yep, Unagi from friend. <laughs> Unagi. <laughs> um. Yeah, I've nothing to say about this match <laughs> apart from mm. um i i just i'm not supposed slowly just i want to see her in loads of singles matches just because of how fast she fucking moves she's unreal she's she's yeah, so like, quick it's like sonic the hedgehog on cocaine it's amazing that is that is a game i would love to play <laughs> <laughs> whacked out sonic hey, Drug, drugs are fun. Have you ever seen a PSA from the Sonic cartoon of him telling people, um, telling kids not to let people inappropriately touch him? No, what the fuck? Yeah, so at the end of um, the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, we'd have like PSAs, and normally it's like, don't do drugs, don't like all that. And then there's this one is like, if someone touches you in a pl- place where you do not want to be touched, you should say no. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, because my friend just sent me it one day, and I'm like, "There's no way this is real." I'm like, "He's like, no, seriously, it's real." I'm like, "Holy shit, that's actually a thing that happened." That's unreal, <laughs> fucking ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't got a lot to say about this match myself, to be perfectly honest. Um, the crowd in Morioka did not react to Mina or Yunagi at all like there was there was nothing there was no reaction to their offense or anything and i was just wondering if they were a quiet crowd and i think i don't think they were the the loudest crowd but you know it was noticeable that there was no reaction uh unagi has usurped mina as the faction punching bag which suits her um as she still only has a spine buster is something that's even close to an interesting move um i think the problem is as well the promos where they just ramble about space, it's so hard for a crowd to invest in what they're saying because what they're saying doesn't make sense. I imagine just one t- like one day out of nowhere, Aerostar is just going to be behind them. <laughs> and then like it's just going to slowly build up with like random space-themed wrestlers. The thing is, they started with this space thing, then went into the seatbelt thing, and then transitioned into going for the artists of stardom belts. But because they'd gone all around the fucking reeking, trying to transition into, we're going for the artist of stardom title, people had just lost what the fuck they were talking about. And were just, there was, again, little to no reaction. And, you know, you're trying to build a faction or a unit. You want people to get behind them, but how can you get behind them when you haven't got a fucking clue what they are talking about? One day, I'm going to, like, have my niece drink a whole lot of Coke, as in Coca-Cola. I'm not a monster. Um, sit I down, love the show fact pod- you felt the need to clarify that. Um, sit her down, show her Cosmic Angels promo, and I'm sure she'll be able to salvage what they mean. <laughs> We'll get her on. We'll get her on as a guest and get her to translate what the fuck Tam Nakano was on about. Nah, she'd love that. Every time she sees like my microphone, she's like, do you have a YouTube channel? I'm like, no. <laughs> Stop asking. <laughs> um, I gave this five. Like you said, absolutely nothing to talk about. It wasn't egregious in any way, but even so, just nothing really to talk about. 
yeah, basically. Um, I didn't even come up with... To be fair, I've run out of Greatest Showman um, references for Nat's point. I'm going to have to find a new... New reference. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to find a new member of a roster and link them to a movie somehow. I, I, I'll work on that as we go through. Thank you. Uh, match four then, tag team action. So the DDM team of Julia and Siori defeat Devil Duo, Natsuka Tora and Saki Kashima at 13 minutes and 30 seconds with the Blue Dragon. I don't give a shit what people say. Saki continues to impress as the better of the two in ring because she's actually found a character, a sneaky chicken shit heel and she plays it great but not only is she a a sneaky chicken shit heel she's someone who can actually work in ring and over these next three matches she is easily the standout easily the standout when she when she is taking part she blows natsukatora out the water like she's just she's she's quick in ring she's solid in ring and she has got a defined character what is tora's character chris don't say S&M enthusiast. I was never going to say She really likes... Go on. Fleetwood I Mac. knew you were going to say that. You said that every time! <laughs> <laughs> but it's only so many change-outs. <laughs> but we, she has been doing this for four months. There are only so many jokes oh God, yeah. about change. Name one chain joke we have not covered. I, do you know what? We'll come together at the start of the next podcast and we'll 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 compare notes. But honestly, she's just Saki. Genuinely, is the most entertaining thing of this pairing, certainly. And I find her more interesting than B. I I, I can't lie. Um, this was fine. Um. <sighs> Suri was built like a fucking behemoth again, and that face she pulls when she's locking in that blue dragon submission, because the blue dragon looks horrendous anyway. It looks like it legitimately hurts. So to have that coupled with the face of an absolute psychopath locking it in, someone who talks quite, you know, happily and bouncily during promos, you know, she comes across as quite amiable and quite nice, and then she gets into the ring and she is absolutely fucking terrifying. So to have her pull this horrendous face as she's looking in this horrendous move onto poor Saki Kashima, who bends so well. She takes it so well, that move. Um, I thought they did a brilliant job, and I think they've done... It's one of the best things over this road to sort of run is that they have continued to build Suri as a legitimate threat. And it just sort of reinforces what we've been saying, that in certainly in my opinion, Donna Del Mondo have been faction of the year because they've just been booked so well. All four of them, and I know Natsupoi is a member, but she hasn't competed enough for her to be classed in this, so please don't come at me and tell me that Natsupoi is a member. I know Natsupoi is a member. But those four main members... They've been booked so well. They are so strong that you can see all four of them legitimately winning any match. Yeah. Um, what I will say about this match, and it's a weird thing I found where um, when they're paired off in singles um, angles, even within tag matches, DDM and Oedetai work together well. Mm. But when they have to produce like tag team sequences, they don't work together well. It breaks down a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, and Awedatai, it's not like Awedatai can't do tag wrestling. We saw that the night before this. So I'm not quite sure what it is, because again, they paired together quite well. Like the Julia and match from Cinderella wasn't too bad. Um, 
generally B has worked well with basically everyone in DDM apart from Shiri. So I, I'm not sure what it is. It's just something's breaking breaks down when they have to work as a foursome or a sixum or a sixum. What what do you call that? Sex isn't it a sextet? <laughs> Why that are you laughing like a... at that? You are such a child. No, it's that it sounds like a band a girl band from the fifties. There's <laughs> the sextets. Yeah. <laughs> um I gave it a six. I thought I thought this was decent. Plus, we had the added bonus of an actual finish in the the time match, so they get an extra star just for that. I, I don't think we should give them star for what is expected from everyone else. <laughs> I will take everything I fucking get with this faction at the moment. <laughs> well, do, do you mark your kids the same way? <laughs> That's why so many of them are A's. Um, so <laughs> let's start with let's uh, finish off with the main event then of this show, which was again another six woman tag. Uh, the Queen's Quest team of Azumi, Momo Watanabe, and Utami defeating the Stars team of Mayu, Starlight Kid, and Saeeda at 17 minutes and 32 seconds with the Tequila Sunrise. And do you know what? Sometimes matches are just fun to watch without any real hot takes or storyline progression, and this was one of them. Yeah, um, it was like an old Ring of Honor main event where you just have six really good workers in there fight, and everyone sort of paired off. In a way, like um, Utami and Mayu are going at it a lot because they're still heat from Mayu losing a title. Starlight and Azumi are perpetually together, and Momo needs someone to abuse, and Saeed is there, so that happens. Yeah, a agreed. lot. Um, and yeah, I, I get, and I can't complain about any of those pairings, especially Azumi and Starlight. I could watch them go for hours, um, although I probably couldn't. I'd probably bitch about it, but you know, I'm trying to. <laughs> it's gone too long. Here. <laughs> Don't don't get me started on long matches. I'm still angling people about Segura versus um, Go. But anyway, um, yeah, this Queen's Quest and Stars are probably the best tag team pairing in Stardom right now in terms of like consistency. And just just hold that thought ready but, for the next show. Shall we? Just hold what you've just said in your head. Right. But there's a very very big discrepancy in the next show but there's a very big reason for that well actually about a four foot nine reason which we'll fucking get to um but yeah i just really enjoy like i have nothing to, it's one of those weird matches where i have nothing to say about it it just kind of fucks and you should just go out your way to watch it you know what it's like it's not as good but like it's zeus from and kenta miyahara from beep, 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 beep. Cunt. Um, <laughs> I've been waiting like, all podcast for you to say his name. <laughs> so, because like in the case of that match, I have very it's like my 16th or 17th favorite match of the year. But I have absolutely nothing to say about it. It just bangs, and it's sort of the same with like DDT tag matches. Mm. That's the case here. We're like, there's no, there's nothing deep. There's nothing. Um. Like, it's not five layers down in the law of wrestling or anything. You don't need to have been watching for years and years and years to get it. You're just still watching it. It's fairly cool people doing fairly cool things, and you enjoy yourself. Absolutely. Like, if if this was a movie, it would be Kill Bill. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good good comparison, to be fair. I love you now you've actually watched some films and get lots of references. (laughs) Apart from when I watched Jurassic Park. Well, um, I'll die on the hill that no one does a better desperation super kick than uh, Mayu. 
Oh, the way she sort of folds out of it. Oh, it's ju- it's, it's great. beautiful. It's ju- it's I, so I think, good. I think Marafuji used to do the same thing, but the the difference between that uh, Mayu and Marafuji is Mayu is basically a stretch Armstrong. She's all legs. So, when she's like a cat, you know, when you pick a cat up and it's like telescopic, and you're just like, what the fuck does this cat? Like when I started picking this cat up, it was, what the fuck? And then you're just holding it underneath its arms. And it's like legs. Legs. I, I cats don't, don't have arms. I Legs. Don't, I don't tend to pick cats up. Are you not a cat person? Um, no. I just there's just no cats roaming around this house. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> we're, we're we're a family of dog people. Ah, fair enough then. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, she just seems to extend, and it she just sells so fucking well. It just it adds another dimension to this match. Another suplex off between her and Utami. I'm here for that absolutely here for that and then we get the closing sequence which i know we talked about how there isn't a lot to go on on this match in storyline progression but this was the one soul taker had and that was that um basically momo hasn't exactly been booked especially well in the lead up to the title match in osaka um and you get the impression that she knows it as well and she's she's desperate to make an impression. And she does that by launching Sayurida into the fucking stratosphere with this tequila sunrise. I'm not joking. The height Sayurida gets on this fucking move is unreal. To the point where Momo can't bridge because Sayurida is halfway through the fucking crowd. She's launched her into the audience. It was brilliant. She put a little bit too much stank on it which was great real proper i've got to prove myself i am going to finish this match and i'm going to finish it now um brilliant really really good and then in the promo she sort of adds on to that by saying that she is on the rise um but overall a really really entertaining main event i gave it high seven chris i thought it was really really good yeah i give it high seven i really enjoyed it these are just like six people who are eternally going to work fairly well together yeah Absolutely. Right, let's move on then to the show in Toyama, uh, which was from the 6th of December in front of 270 people in the Balfour Toyama Multi-Purpose Hall. Um, again, I'll just do the first match. Uh, Sai Kamatani defeated Mina Shirakawa in the singles match in 8 minutes and 12 seconds. Chris, did you watch it? Chris, did you care? <laughs> That sounds like, like I, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, this was fine. It, like again, I watched it and I didn't immediately go fuck off Shirakawa, which means she's learning. <laughs> so. Fair enough. <laughs> um, match two then saw the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano and Yunagi defeating the Stars team of Ruaka and Saeeda in eleven minutes and eight seconds with the Dai Fuhan Gatame, which is what um they've christened Yunagi's finishing move. Um, in the pre-match promos, Tam talks. A little bit more about Sayurida makes further reference uh, to poaching her by saying that they understand each other, which is almost instantly rebuffed by Ida saying that she has no idea what Tam is trying to do, which I thought was quite entertaining because neither do we, Sayur. We haven't got a fucking clue. It's, it's, it's like it's like something from The Office, isn't it? We're like Dwight and what's his name? Michael Scott. Um, where he just said, yeah, no, not the, the US office I'm talking about. Jim? Jim, yes, there we go. Where like um 
Dwight says something when Jim just looks directly in the camera and says, "It <laughs> <laughs> just shakes his head." <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like Russell Stars is basically the office right now. Um, speaking of Sire, this is the first time I've noticed, but she is looking fucking jacked coming to the ring. Did you see the six pack she's got now? Yeah, like it's the first time she's <laughs> shredded. I, I've got it in my notes. It's like... it's, I've got it in my notes for this match. It's the first time I've noticed, but she's looking jacked as she comes to ringside. It came from absolutely nowhere, didn't it? It, it did. I didn't really notice it at all in the previous matches. Um, but yeah, she she's looking very, very, very shredded. So yeah, really, really good. Like it, I say. Well, it's like when like you you don't like shave for a while and you don't notice how big your beard is and how big. I mean, I can't Im- I in my Ex- head, I can't with, imagine uh, you've like... ever shaved. I have, but I. I mean, black actually. But I was like two weeks after a clean shave. Jesus Christ! Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> we talked about Sireida evolving her offense and this was a perfect example of that we had her breaking out an indian death lock which was fucking great um she hit a top rope blockbuster which also looked incredible looked very very tasty to take um her early exchange with tam are excellent um the action slows down with ruaka and inagi as you'd expect um but i'm sure it will come for both women i'm not going to be a negative um about it i'm just you know it'll come it'll come for both women um there's a great closing visual post-match of tam and Unagi in the ring extend extending a hand to saya as she stood on the outside with starlight and mayu i thought that was a great a great visual to end this match on because as a match there's not a lot to talk about let's be perfectly honest it's a match with Unagi and ruaka in it but as a visual, that final visual of, again, Tam trying to poach Sayurida, thought it was great. Yeah, um, to be honest, I ended up having the volume down on this match and had Taylor Swift's album playing while it was on. So if there was anything, any, like, substances I missed, I'm sorry, but I basically disagree with Rob. And also, you should listen to Taylor Swift's new album. It's really good. It's really, really good. I can feel you hating me. I can feel it. Hopefully everyone at the, home can as well. Are you not well. a fan, are you? I, it's such a good album. It's so... Champagne Problems. One of my favourite songs of the year. I gave this six stars, Chris. What did you give it? Um. Well, I, get, I gave Taylor Swift's album a nine. But this one, yeah, I'm going for like a five, six. Fair enough. Did you watch... <laughs> so, third match on the card, B Priestley and Micah went to our old favourite, a time limit draw in 15 minutes. We, did you see what I posted in the Discord? I actually have a little section on the whiteboard where it's like, it's been X number of podcasts since the last show, <laughs> and I, I just had to reset it today, and I was so disappointed. <laughs> Do you agree with the time limit draw finish here? Um... I guess it's been far enough removed to not feel like part of an, um, a systemic problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess both pe- both women are on equal pegging. Like I guess future and SWA are basically the same level. So yeah, I can't, 
like from a booking standpoint, sure, it's, it's only 15 minutes as well. And this match did kind of bang. Like B was working stiffer than normal, which was good. Mike is doing less and less of the power stuff and just focusing on what she's good at, which is also good. Um, although, <laughs> did you watch this? I didn't watch this one, no. Okay, so she was um, B was going to hit the Queen's Landing right as um, the thing went uh, uh, the bell went off. So and instead of going actually just doing the Queen's Landing, which would have probably been but a better for storyline and be safer she just dropped Mike. <laughs> <laughs> she just dropped her <laughs> i love that that's amazing <laughs> and uh, yeah the, ma- the match itself was one the highlight was a um a double stomp to the outside which actually this is the first match i noticed it but the lighting was really weird on this show wasn't it it was a bit strange yeah it seemed very, and, and very like cold. Yeah, and the venue was weird. Like, you know what the venue looked like? You know what it reminded me of, oddly? Remember that um WXW show we watched for um the watch Yes! No, I get I get it you. It looked it looked like that um venue. It was it was weird, wasn't it? Because weren't we in the same um Yeah, we were in the same town the next night. So it's super weird. Maybe we were just bank banking and getting the two shows at um, wherever they were yesterday, and it was double booked or something. Because it, I don't know. Because Sardom, like they don't have amazing production quality, but they're consistently like well lit. They're consistently, like because even this place it was echoey. It like it was a weirdly sounded. It was all a bit weird. So like it sort of meant a lot of. I think it might have put some wrestlers off, to be honest. But yeah, this match was fine. I'd give it like a seven. Um, both women worked fairly well with each other and it sort of shows how good Micah gets in a short amount of time because God knows B isn't someone to carry someone. <laughs> so much is true. Yeah. Yeah, because when she carried someone in this match, she just dropped them on the bell rent. <laughs> I can't get <laughs> Like seriously, just go to this match and skip to the end because she literally just drops her. Like face first and I'm like, damn. Outstanding. More... You should just do that for your friend because then Manami Teosa might not hate you. Match four then, um, the DDM team of Julia Suri and Himika defeated the Awida Tai team of Tora Konami, the returning Konami, finally, and Natsuka, and, sorry, Saki Kashima at 15 minutes and 59 seconds with the Argentine backbreaker. Oh, God, Chris, please don't make DDM the next Yano in shilling things. What the fuck was this <laughs> opening promo? Yeah, like, like, hey, album out now buy it <laughs> it was either an album called toyama niari or it was the artist was called toyama niari it was completely and utterly pointless the only thing i can tell you from this entire promo is that it cost 1500 yen so if you are that way inclined 1, yen? hang on 1500 yen in pounds that's 10 pounds 75 bargain Bargain. Go and check it out now. It's all good stores, apparently, the, according to Donald Almondo. The, the, the ants are dying. Support them. Um, but why Why would you do this? But, I mean, these are three of your biggest stars in the company. Don't make them fucking shillers. You don't make Mayu do that. Mayu would probably forget. Oh, my God. I cannot wait to talk about that. <laughs> so excited. Before you go on your, okay. before you go on your rant about who we, you no. are going to rant about... Let me just talk about that, that, and then you can rant till your heart's content. 
Oh, <laughs> well, oh, you mean on the last one? Yeah, yeah. But I, I remember. Um, so this this match itself, it's sort of proves the same thing I had with DDM and Oedetai the night before, where they work re- they work really well when paired off, but they don't work well when there's a lot of moving parts. For example, Konami and Siri here loved it, like just <laughs> doing the Tomohiro Ishii. Um, Shibata thing where we just sit down and oh. invite each other to kick them. Like, and it's not just that, they planted themselves. They, oh my they god, were, they jumped four foot in like, the air to sit down, didn't they? Yeah, they were they were throwing themselves like a toddler throwing a champion. It's like, <laughs> kick me. I want it's, I want this program so badly now, and I want them to do it under like weird MMA rules. And I want there to be blood and a walkaway knockout, and I, I'm probably just. But that's probably never going to happen. But I want it. If this is this if this happen. is a singles match that we get at year end climax, I am all the way mm. down for that. I wanted it to happen at a Josh Barnett blood spot. <laughs> <laughs> that would be incredible. That would be incredible. Uh, but apart from that, there's nothing really to talk about in this match because a lot of the same players. Him because doing that double Argentine backbreaker quite a lot, isn't she? Yeah, I'm not a massive fan. Yeah, because again, it's it's back to the right back comparison. Yeah, if if it's an impact move, it's something to shock. You know, it, it's the law of diminishing returns. You, the more you do it, the less impactful it is. And on that note, can I ask you, Chris? <laughs> right? Why would you not disqualify Oida tie straight away for the use of the chain? You've just told tore off who leading himika back to the ring like a fucking cocker spaniel like with the chain around her neck who you've just watched her choker you've kicked the chain out of the ring you know it's fucking happened just because it happens on the outside doesn't make it illegal why have you not decued them for that the, the consistency is absolutely all over the shop that really wound me up it's like she's hanging her again she's hanging her again what are you doing? It's quite a dark arena. It was quite a dark arena. Maybe the ref just didn't see it. The ref was next to her. <laughs> Whilst Himika is on dark. all fours with the chain still round her neck, with the chain in Tora's hand, which she only let go of to shove the referee. Maybe Tora bribed. Maybe Tora bribed the referee, and then the referee decided to throw a bribe out the window when he got physically assaulted. Even you don't believe that. <laughs> <sighs> I believe some wild things, Rob Goodwin. That's true. Um, again, for example, I believe La La Land is a wonderful time. Again, I believe Saki was fantastic. She transitioned a backbreaker into a pinfall, which was smooth as silk. And I genuinely thought as well that that would be the finish. Um, but obviously, it's Himiko who takes it with an Argentine backbreaker, like I said before. Overall. I thought this was really, really good. I thought, like we said before, the tease of the Konami and Suri thing, I would be all up in that. I think that would be fantastic. And again, I think that would be a match on a year-end Climax card. And I've got a couple of matches in mind that I would like to see on the year-end Climax card. And we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. But overall, and a bonus of an Awida tie finish, which is great. And that tease alone i think it's get seven stars for me i'm feeling high six or seven yeah mostly down to the fury and konami segment 
Fair enough. Um, so the main event of tonight was another six man or six woman, sorry, tag match with the Queen's Quest team of Azumi, Momo Watanabe, and Utami defeating Mayu, Starlight Kid, and Riho at 17 minutes and 38 seconds with the German suplex. Um, this is the latest thing to add into the chronology of Oh Mayu, um, because she completely forgot that she's ever wrestled in Toyama whilst calmly being put right by Starlight Kid. Just comes out and says, this is my first time in Toyama. It isn't. No, it is. No, it. No, it's not. You've been to the same hotel before. Yeah, yeah, but the venue was like an hour away. No, it's still in the same city. It's just a different venue. But I've never been to Toyama before. We've been to a wrestling bar here, Mayu. Oh. Well, someone told me it was the first... And you just look at her and go... How are you the face of this company, Mary? You don't even know where you are. Imagine if, like, because um, we went to two different Weatherspoons but, um, between the, our last two visits to Blackpool. Imagine if we just walked in and Gareth was like, oh, I've never been, I've never been to this. I've never before. been to Blackpool like... before. <laughs> no, you have. You've just been to a different Weatherspoons car. Imagine if you did that just because we were on different sides of the arena. I've never been in here before. <laughs> just uses a different entrance to the same Weatherspoons. This looks different. <laughs> to be fair, I, I've done that before. Where, where I've walked into a Weatherspoons on a different entrance from before. I, thought, oh, I didn't know this is here. I'm going to walk up with different entrance on my way out. It's like, oh. But then that on top sense. of this, Azumi forgot where they were as well. Bearing in mind this is a sold-out crowd in Toyama, in front of 270 people, Azumi then repays him by going, where the fuck are we again? Just <laughs> utter, utter nonsense. Utter nonsense. Um, Chris, <laughs> I know you've got things to say. You have the floor. I'm I'm so done with Riho. I know I sort of ranted about last week, but like she was a harmless fixture on the lower end of the card. She was semi-main and main for some of these shows and just eh no none of she smiled throughout the whole fucking match and i'm sorry you're in the main event on a stardom card where you have the chance to pin the world of stardom champion as well as what many people consider to be the greatest white belt champion ever as well as the person who beat you for the high speed belt so the what fuck why are you smiling why aren't you showing any intensity her character is all over the place because in one because she literally in like storyline has given away two um shots at world championship to death yamasan that's literally a thing that has happened and i get she wasn't booked to win that match but she'll have some agency in how the match would end and this and i know she's not Awful. Like, I've seen her have good matches in AEW. Hell, the fact that she had a really good match with Nyla Rose earlier in the year, who, again, God knows isn't someone to carry, just shows that she does have potential. But why smile? Stop smiling. Stop fucking smiling. And she still doesn't hit with any sort of... Like, when she kicks someone, I don't believe it at all. And I have that same problem with Starlight. But now Starlight is actually kicking with some oomph. She's actually hitting with some oomph. Riho isn't. And just, I don't, I I just don't want her around anymore. She's just, she's went from being like something I don't care about to something that's actively annoying me. Because just stop smiling. I, I, I know it just sounds like I'm, I don't like it when people are happy, but stop fucking smiling. 
Wow. Okay. Um, I mean, of everything that went wrong in this fucking match, that was literally bottom of the totem pole for me. Just everything that could have gone wrong in this fucking match went wrong in this match. Just everyone seemed off their game. I mean, you've got Starlight Kid just randomly stopping in the middle of an exchange with Azumi, apparently just completely forgetting where the fuck she was. You'd got Azumi falling off the ropes, which I think has legitimately hurt her knee, which is why she wasn't on the following card. You've got Mayu missing the Tiger Faint kick. Um, You've got Momo whiffing kicks. It's just... It seemed far more house showy than any other match on these three cards thus far. And it just, it felt very, very lacklustre. And I don't know, I just, I didn't enjoy it, which is, you know, a first for a match containing Mayu. I just, I don't know. Um, I wasn't a fan. I wasn't a fan at all, Chris. It wasn't the best match ever. By that, I mean basically everything Rob said is correct. Although, in their defense, Mayu literally didn't know where she was. That That is true. So, that um, is true. She got absolutely no idea where she was at all. Nor did Azumi. So, quite frankly, if if you like were suddenly teleported into, I don't know, the death zone from Doctor Who, you probably wouldn't be wrestling very well. You You don't know how to wrestle to begin with, but you know. I just, I, yeah, I gave it four. I thought it was... Considering we just basically seen this match, I'm just, I, I didn't need to see it again. And then I thought I'd rather see Sayurida than Rio. I just, I didn't enjoy it. I gave it four. Yeah, I have nothing to say or add to that. Just... But just skip this one. Just skip this whole card, to be honest. Maybe watch the Beavers Micah match, but just sort of skip the 28th. Is it the 28th? No, it's the 6th. No, it's the 6th. I'm stupid. Let's continue. Let's move on then to our final show that we're going to be doing uh, tonight. So the Stardom Road to Osaka Dream Cinderella on the 13th of December from Shinjuku Face in front of 234 people. Um, Chris, did you watch the opener with Riho defeating Lady C and Ruaka in four minutes and three seconds? Would you believe it if I said I didn't? I wouldn't. I wouldn't believe it for a second. So let's... <laughs> yes. It's because I did, and it, it, I have nothing to say. <laughs> Fair enough. Lady C, Lady C continues to be really good for her experience. But... We've both said this before, considering the fact that she is a complete rookie, she's had, got more she, of an attitude. Single digit. Yeah. And just, yeah, but it's not just if she can like actually develop, which, you know, it's not always the case with some rookies. So, like, if she continues her current course, she's probably going to be grand, yeah. Like, again, look where um, Saya, like, the Saya's were a year ago compared to where they are now, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, let's move on then to match two, which saw the Oida Tai four-way between B Priestley, Konami, Natsukatora, and Saki Kashima end in a four-way countout, because of course it fucking did, at six minutes and 44 seconds. Chris... You know what's you know what's weird with this match is that my biggest complaint is that there wasn't enough Oweda type bollocks in it because there was a place to like throw of your Oweda shit at the wall. It's an Oweda type four way. It's it's like if you went to see Metallica and we didn't play Enter Sandman. None of that was my issue with it. 
Would you like? <laughs> would you like to know my issue with it? Like there is a count out in a four way. Well, that. <laughs> like, like, what if two people go back into the ring? This is an elimination match. What would have happened? Well, I mean, by the design of it, Saki should have won. Explain. Well, because. Oh, no, no, she didn't get back in. Doesn't matter. Ignore me. Anyway, <laughs> that wasn't the issue. That wasn't the issue. From a kayfabe standpoint, why the fuck would you hang a member of your own fucking stable? Why would you hate a member of your own family? Lockdown does crazy things to people. But but seriously, <laughs> like we talk about this contrived hanging spot. She's even doing it to members of her own fucking stable now. Why? Why? She can't. She can't help herself. But that's she bollocks, has a Chris. That is utter <laughs> fucking bollocks. Why on earth, in a throwaway four-way on second on a card, why would you hang a member of your own stable? Why would you bury B Priestley in chairs? And smash her in the torso with a chair. What the fuck does you, that achieve? Like, they should have put some sort of stipulation on this, like you win, you get a future, t- you get an opportunity to face the champion or something, like something like. Because you are right, like there's no point in them doing this thing. And like with the chain, that chain spot you've mentioned impactful moves with Himika earlier. That chain spot should be, that should be a reason to want to murder. Tora in like a quick kayfabe sense but because she does it to everyone you just can't take it personally it just makes like, no sense to me at what's all in, what's incredible what's incredible um i ended up watching an oz academy match um over the weekend because it was recommended in our discord so i was like eh, it's something like 20 minutes long i'll put it on there was a hanging spot in that and it was fucking tense because like this is not an image you're used to seeing and also like the girl was bloodied up, so like there was more imagery to it. But like when Tora does it, no matter what the context is, I'm just like, oh fuck off, Tora, because she's done it so often. Like she she has ruined because like when the hanging thing first happened with Konami back at No People Gate, we were like we were kind of into it. We were like, oh shit, this is going to end up in a blood feud, and it just kind of didn't. And I don't know, just drop the chain at this point like it's not even something that you can take away for a while and then bring back it's something that you can never bring back because you've just taken everything out of it because no one has ever hurt from this chain everyone's always fine 10 seconds after it's done like this level of killing a spot this is something you'd expect from like tna in 2010 i just i that blew my mind that really did Blow my mind. I just I couldn't get my head around it at all. It just it seemed like such a stupid thing to do to a member of your own team in a throwaway tag match. Fair enough doing it, it to be- people that you hate. Fair enough doing it to people that you are trying to weaken for a later match. But you are putting the artist of stardom championships on the line with the two people you've just assaulted with a chair and a chain. From any sort of standpoint, Chris, tell me how that makes sense. Maybe you're right to tell the cult. It's fucking stupid is what it is. Um, <laughs> it could be worse. B could still be coming out to bring me the horizon. Oh, that's another thing, right? 
How how abrasive is Saki's music? It's fucking horrible. I know. It's like it's like when I attempt to do Goto's. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was brutal. I was like, oh my god, stop. Um, aside from that, I genuinely quite enjoyed this match. Um, much as much as I've ranted about it, quite enjoyed it. It was just that thing really wound me up as we got towards the end. Um, I gave it six. I just, I, oh, I, I, everything, fuck everything, fuck everything. But you know what? It was fine. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I don't, I didn't write a rating down. I didn't feel enough in this match to bother rating it. It was, it, it wasn't. Nice little way to waste seven minutes. I've done worse things for seven minutes. Ugh. So, what do you mean, uh, what could I possibly <laughs> be talking about? Oh, 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 you dirty bastard. Oh, you. This is a PG podcast. No, it's I was not. just going to say, <laughs> both of us have said the word cunt in this podcast. Yeah, to be fair, I imagine like American viewers are like really shocked at how often we use the word cunt when like especially up here it's just half the time when someone says cunt it's a warning that a verb is about to happen she used as a warm greeting to a friend to be honest in stoke all right my cunt yeah yeah like cunt is such a versatile word no one says this enough but like it can mean enemy it can mean best friend oh, yeah it like sometimes we just put um like it or ing at the end of things up here like Oh, I'm cunted means I'm really tired. It's part of our vernacular. Yes. Anyway, um, match three then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Queen's Quest three-way, uh, which was originally supposed to be a Queen's Quest tag team match, uh, but Azumi was out. Um, they did mention an injury, which I do think she limped after she came off the ropes in that main event that we've just spoken about. So I think it might have been that. Nothing confirmed, obviously. Uh, but Momo Watanabe defeated Saikamatani and Yutami at 11 minutes and 41 seconds with the Peach Sunrise. We talked about, Chris, Yutami dropping Julia on her head. What about Saya? spiking herself forehead first whilst attempting to reverse a B-driver. Was that more uncomfortable to watch? Because it was for me. That was quite uncomfortable. It's weird because, like, we ended up getting on the subject in the Discord earlier. Um, was like, what was the worst botch of this series of shows? <laughs> and, I, and I was like, oh, it must have been the Utami and Julia thing. But I hadn't seen this match yet. And then I forget who mentioned it, but they, someone mentioned it. I'm like, hey, it can't be that bad. And then it got to this. I'm like, oh my god! It's like you know those um, botched um, styles clashes from like between like 2015, basically for like two or three years after he left TNA, but hadn't went to WWE. Yeah. It was it was that kind of vibe, and uh, we are so lucky that like we didn't have another Yoshi Tatsu situation here because oh my god I don't think we appreciate yeah I, I agree with you completely I don't think we appreciate just how lucky she was because if Momo had gone down if there had been any sort of force with it she could have done some serious serious damage but as it transpired she she got up I think she was a little bit woozy but you know she was tremendously coherent considering the fact that she just twatted herself on the mat how there was no more damage done i've got no idea it was a really really awkward and just really uncomfortable looking bump um yeah i've, wa I've walked into a shelf and not been able to do anything for days. <laughs> that's a lie 
I quite enjoyed this match. I thought it started a bit slowly, but you've got the two dueling storylines, which I thought they did very well, considering, again, this was supposed to be a tag match. You've got sort of the overarching storyline of Momo versus Utami, but then you've got that undercurrent of every time Queen's Quest do something, Sayaka Matani feels an inherent need to prove herself, and this match was no mm-hmm. different. Like, Utami and Momo would just dismiss Saya entirely, just, you know, would completely ignore her, and she would have to interject herself into exchanges. And then progressively, as we got further into the match, the match accelerated, and then we built to what was a very, very, very good closing sequence, aside from that horrendous botch, a really good closing sequence that saw Momo mm-hmm. win. I put in my notes for this. Um, Sai Kamatani is like a kid who does a dance when his parents are arguing. <laughs> <laughs> just wants everyone to get along. Yeah, it's like just we start doing that. But just there going, I don't know, what's the song that kids sing? What do the kids like uh, nowadays? Dance Monkey? I don't know, Baby Shark? I don't know. Dance for me, dance for me, dance for me. Uh oh. <laughs> Okay. Her thing is, I think I wouldn't hate that song if her voice wasn't so overly produced. I didn't. Yeah, it's not even like overly produced because she actually sounds like that. I looked it up. It's just I don't know what it is about that voice. It's just it sounds like she's singing through a fan. What? It doesn't actually sound like that. No, at it all. doesn't at um... all. Have you ever sang through a fan? <laughs> I used to do Darth Vader and no. Dalek impressions, they're the best thing to do for the fan. But yeah, it's I don't know, it's a weird voice. We, we we we've got we've gone off track, haven't we? Um yeah, this match was really good, really fluid. Um we did the triple threat thing where they pair people off a while, and I'm not always mad on that, but at the end of the day we have a story to tell, so it's a functional decision. I do get that. Um considering again, yeah, this would be changed what a day in a day's notice, probably. Mm. So like considering we threw that together so fast, impressive. So fun stuff here. I gave it a seven, Chris. Yeah, I give it a seven. Am I giving it an eight if um, Sire didn't almost <laughs> get necked? <sighs> Horrible. Uh, we move on then. Another six-woman tag uh, with Mayu Starlight Kid and Saeeda defeating the Cosmic Angels. Cosmic Angels' is first loss at 13 minutes and 43 seconds with the Kichan bomb. Now, this was fire. This was easily the best match of these four shows. Really, really enjoyable. There was a real heat, a real hatred, and a real sense of betrayal that just underpinned everything that especially Mayu, Starlight, Sire, and Tam did. Because to begin with, like you've got Yunagi trying to assert herself by trying to challenge Starlight, you know, trying to make a name for herself. And then you've got Starlight literally dismissing her. Fuck off, got no time for you whatsoever. And then starts on Tam Nakano. Tam does this, I think she did the double knees, and ended up landing on Starlight's throat. And you can see Starlight getting visibly pissed off with that and started adding a little bit to a move. She kicked her in the face during a kickout, and that was not by accident. And just everything that the Stars team did to Tam especially had an added layer of fuck you. And it was great. You've got Mayu's kicks, you've got Starlight's chops, Starlight's kicks, you've got 
Sire um, Reader's machine gun chops in the corner where you can feel the proper hatred in every single one. And it's great. And Mina did a fantastic job of being someone trying to come to the aid of Tam and just being completely overwhelmed by the team of Mayu and Starlight. And genuinely, when we get to that inevitable uh, singles match between Mayu and Tam, it is going to be incredible. And I, if it happens at year-end climax, which I think it will, dependent on the results coming out of Osaka, I'd say that is an early contender for match of the year because I know that we start our matches of the year from year-end climax. I genuinely feel that if that match takes place then, it's going to be a match of the year contender because the fire and the momentum coming off of this match, it's the match I'm most looking forward to in the Osaka show. And when you consider we've got a joint title, a double title yeah. match and the red belt match between Utami and Momo, I am really pumped for this stars match. But it's they've managed to build a lot of heat in a very short amount of time and most of the heat's basically coming from Tan suddenly decided to be a dick about everything. Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you seen the Twitter exchanges like, between Mayu and Tam? I don't do Twitter. No, well, no, I know. No, there's no. some there's some really really good um Twitter exchanges between the pair. And um, it's it adds another layer to the feud, which is great about how Mayu feels betrayed by Tam's actions. Tam is just being cold, distant, and then you get the bits um, in the pre in the post match promo, which we'll talk about once you've finished. Um, actually, on that subject, the one thing I did see from Twitter because um, it was posted in our Discord earlier was May saying because um, her and Ida are going to have a match soon. Mm. Um, everyone says, please, um, please be Ida second because I will mercilessly throw the soul of May or Tani into her. <laughs> so, like, it, but in so many words, um, your girl's turned. <laughs> Do you think it is by fluke that we are getting a Mayu versus Saya Ida singles match just before Osaka? No, I think they know what I think. They're actually starting to piece together Star Wars. It's like the opposite of what happened with Disney Star Wars. <laughs> the actual where... Star Wars. No, yeah, because um, there they seem to start looking like they have a plan, and then it turned out they had nothing. Whereas here, they've started out with no plan and put together one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, go on, carry on. But. The match itself, yeah, like any every exchange between Mayu and Tam is great. Um, if it's anything like their fight, like just from where we seem to be going, um, the Mayu and Tam match is basically going to be their five star match, but with more hatred. Which, like, yeah, yes, please, all the fuck mm -hmm. of that. And um, this um, this storyline is doing a great job of raising the rookies involved, so like Shiakawa, Unagi, and Saya. Absolutely, all of them. Are um, they're mostly stepping up to the occasion. As we said earlier, Unagi is sort of struggling a bit, but she is being posted way the fuck above her station, and I think she knows it. So I think I think she'll eventually mold into whatever her role is will be. Just yeah, and there's so many little things like Sirena, who's going to get her in the divorce, <laughs> and you know, Starlight Kid suddenly getting delusions of grandeur. <laughs> 
Yeah, she's she seems to be posted at the moment as Star's resident spokeswoman. She's the one that starts mm-hmm. all the promos. She's the one that sort of leads them in what they're saying. You know, Mayu seems to have taken very much a back seat. And yeah, Mayu's just sort of standing there in promos, looking like my sister when I get control of the arc table. <laughs> um, and Tam um, actually references that in the post-match promo. Yeah, called a. Uh... It was um, mascot. The stars wasn't it? mascot. You are more than just the stars mascot, or you've proved that you're more than but, just the stars mascot. But um, then Mayu decided to cut a fucking pipe bomb. Yeah, Mayu decides to cut the real, <laughs> real shit into it. it. Walks forward. So you want to be here now? It's like you know, like was promos from like John Cena against Robin Reigns, but John Cena clearly just didn't give a fuck, so he just said whatever. That's what this was like. Cause it's like all the breaking of the fourth was like, "You want to be here now?" Is that what's happening here? It's like, okay, we, like it came out of no. Because just ne- that never happens, um, does it? They're always like, like even like the jungle Taurus stuff from earlier in the year. Jungle was like all kayfabing the whole thing, but like here, he's just like suddenly using insider terms. It's like Vince Russo was drafted in to write her promo. I must admit, I was down for the promo though. You could feel the the realism in what she was saying. Um, what do you think about all this? I mean, it seems to be stemming all of this from the fact that Mayu consistently picks Starlight ahead of Tam. That seems to be the the genesis of Tam I leaving. Have a theory. What is your theory? I have a feeling this storyline was pegged in from the beginning. This was going to be Arisa. Because this kind of thing was going on when Arisa first came in last year. So Arisa will be taking the place of Starlight. Yeah. Right. That would make sense. Because... That would make sense. Because that's sort of what happened when Arisa first came in. That's why her and Tam fought. And then um, just it would seem like a natural evolution of that storyline. So yeah. I, have, I have a feeling it's something like that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm talking completely out my ass because I am, but but it, it just feels like that's what it was meant to be. But it's still good. I'm still digging this. I was just going to say, it's like, not like I'm they've ki- shoehorned someone completely random in because Mayu and Starlight no. do have that very, very close relationship. Like- yeah, because they just tagged in Tag League as exactly, well. Yeah. And they tagged in the Tag League the year before, didn't they? And also, it's not like Starlight Kid hasn't been in the position of starting these promos. She's actually, before this, normally one who started the promo. So, like, it's not a mad insertion. It's just I f- it's just something I thought of while I was watching these promos. Um, the only, I think the, only, the biggest problem with this is the fact that Tam's surrounded by two people who take falls a lot. Yes, I, I do see that. And obviously you've got... You look at Mina. Um, she lost the singles match the night before or the show before to Sayaka Matani, which sort of shows you where she is on the totem pole. Um, and then Yunagi took the pinfall here to Starlight Kid. So, you know, shows where she is on the totem pole. So, yes, it certainly... I don't think it damages the credibility. I think... No, but I think I think Pat in storyline is sort of like Tam's picked rookie, so she's the clear leader kind of thing. I think thing. that, yes. Definitely that. But as well, I think she wants people around her who will always choose her. You know, 
always <laughs> who who also also they need to have um worked for TJPW in the past year. Yeah, be rocky. Um, they need to be over thirty. Yeah. Um, they need to be about five inches taller. Um, just there's a lot of caveats to get into Tans yeah. Club. Not that she has a type or anything, but I do think there is a there's a reason for all of this. And honestly, like I say, it's the match that I am most looking forward to in the Osaka Dream card. I gave this match eight stars. I loved all of the drama. It was easily the best match of the run of shows, Chris. I'm feeling an eight on this one, yeah. It was a very solid match. If you're going to watch just one show after many of these, uh, make it this Oh, one. yeah, definitely. This match was enjoyable pretty much from the word go. Uh, right up to the main event, which we're going to talk about now. Match five, uh, the DDM. Civil War with Suri and Micah defeating Julia and Himika at 19 minutes and 28 seconds. Suri submitting Himika with the Suzuka. Um, Chris, what did you think about this match? DDM, I think, are one of the best factions at Civil Wars because they, they've had a surprising amount of uh, matches against each other considering it's They've not even been around for a year yet. Like, um, they all fought each other in the um, Cinderella. They fought each other in the Five Star. They've had a few tag matches against each other. So, but they just work really well together somehow. It's a case of proving themselves against each other, isn't it? Yeah, because that's the thing. When Stars and Queen's Quest have been inviting recently, it feels like we're about to fall apart. When these, when DDM fight each other, it seems more of a mutual thing. It seems like, a, okay, cool, let's see who's best. They really did bash you over the head with that as well, because you had the handshake at the start, you had the promo at the end, where it wasn't about, I'm going to win. You know, you had a little bit of that, obviously, to title match. But post-match, it was all about how we should be the main event we are going to have the greatest match, aren't we? And then they fist bumped. It, it, there was, you know, there is the inherent sort of competitive nature with a title match that you're always going to get, but it wasn't a case of being overblown. They weren't confronting each other in the same way that Momo and Yutami would be. So I do quite like that. It is a case of, right, let's prove ourselves against each other. You know, we know we're four of the strongest talents in stardom. Let's prove it to everyone else and i think that's an interesting dynamic as well and it'll be interesting to see how they lay out that match on the 20th of december because in all honesty i know that we hate time limit draws but it's a double title match i do see it being a time limit draw i don't even like again it the, t- the thought of a time limit drawing a title match is so alien to me in the like year and a half now I've been watching Stardom but I don't even know what the time limit for Stardom matches are is it 45 minutes that we feels ask about right. this every single podcast <laughs> we never get an answer we will keep asking it until one of you fuckers answer us what Chris is trying to say is people in the discord or on Twitter <laughs> would you please tell us what the time limit is for championships, please. Because he's just expressed it like an absolute fucking idiot. <laughs> stop, stop trying to censor me, God. Um, but yeah, well, do you think we'll have a clear winner in that match? Um, yeah, I'm try- I, 
I think Shuri isn't actually completely out of the realms of possibility because, like you said, it looks like they want to move Julia um, to the red belt scene at some point. And also, I think this is um, the key one. um, Shuri has a win to get back over Julia from the Cinderella. True, but you did talk about faction order, you know, establishing that clear order and Suri is the number two of DDM. The leader is Julia. Yeah, but like we did that last year when Momo faced B and B still beat Momo, so mm, Yeah, true. On that bigger stage though. Why ever not? If you want to establish um someone like Shiri. And also I don't know who you'd have going after Julia now. Everyone else is kind of tied up right now, aren't they? Or at least everyone else you'd have gone for the title at end year climax. Yeah, because you do you do need a challenger at the year end climax. It's you know one of the biggest shows of the year, so you are going to have most, if not all, of the titles on the line. So yeah, and when you look at like Mayu and Tam, they're tied up um, with each other. Queen's Quest is sort of tied up in this little civil war. Um, Arita Tai should not be anywhere near any of these top belts right <laughs> now. So. Who who sort of left because DDMs also all faced each other as well. So okay, well maybe 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 Konami, but we've had that. So if you want Konami, I think the best way to do it is have Shiri take the belt and then somehow get Konami in there and like have a pin and a tag match or something. Again, no, we've. <sighs> I mean, let's face it: the match that her and Julia had at Sendai Cinderella was divisive to say the least. No, that's why I'm saying Shuri should win, so we don't need to watch that I match. Know, but what I'm saying is you've just you've just had Konami Challenge literally last month. Do you really want to have that again yeah. when there are other challenges? Yeah, fuck it. Bring in Janakiyama. I want to see Janakiyama take it. Makes Julia. perfect sense. I feel like we've danced around this match. <laughs> Basically, it's another sort of tick against DDM being booked as four of the strongest women in this company. Like, all four women felt like bona fide superstars. And when you consider that Micah and Himika have, compared to Suri, certainly, very limited experience, they all come across as absolute superstars. All of their interactions were great. The power moves were impactful. They knew each other's games inside and out. And Himika submitted to Suri here. You know, Himika had an absolutely amazing five-star. Does she look any worse coming out of this match having been the one that submitted, despite the fact that you had Micah in this match? No, not even slightly. And that pays testament to the booking of this faction. It is a really, really good match. It's one of those matches that we've spoken about quite a few times uh, throughout the course of this episode. It's a match where there isn't a great deal to say in ring. It is just a very, very good match. I'd say it's probably the second best match of this run of four shows behind the match that we've just talked about, the Stars match. Go and check it out. It really is a very, very good match. And again, don't forget, Chris, you've had Suri now take a lot of victories in the lead-up to Osaka. I mean, we've got the Corican show, mm. which, as we record on the 15th, is tomorrow, where you've got that final prelude match. So I suppose a lot will be determined by whoever eats the pin and takes the pin. If Suri takes another pinfall win, you've got to assume that Julia is winning it. Yeah. 
Yeah, probably. I don't know. It's more just a pipe dream because honestly, I don't know. Just looking at who's all tied up, I don't know who's going to be about and be credible enough. Because like, whoever like wins the red ta- red belt match could possibly go over because of they've been um, Queen's Quest and DDM's been paired off a fair bit, but also both of them would be coming off a title loss. So like, neither of them are going to be especially credible. I don't know. Well. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about Saturday. Okay. Well, let's get into that. I mean, I gave the main event an eight eight stars. I think it was a lightweight, and I think it was quite as good as a stars match, but an eight stars nonetheless. Yeah, I'm feeling decent about that one. So let's talk about Osaka Dream then. So last podcast, we previewed the card and we gave our predictions. Chris, we are one show away from that. Um, how are you feeling about the card? Are you dead set on any certain winners? And most importantly, perhaps, who do you have coming out of that main event with the title? Um, I, I had the card in front of me and I've lost it. Can you <laughs> remind me of the card? <laughs> remind you of the card. Okay. I haven't got the entire card because I thought you'd remember it, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, So we've got the future of Stardom Championship, and that is the triple threat between uh, Micah. Yeah, Micah. Micah, Saya Kamatani, and (laughs) Saya Ida. Micah. Wait, no, not Micah. It was Micah. What am I talking about? Who do you think is coming out of that one with the victory? Is there anything you want to add? Um, again, this seems like a, like I've never seen Future of Stardom title defended this fucking much. <laughs> like this seems like another token one. I would keep it on Micah if you want to keep that. Um, keep a token on her because right now, um, Saya has the tag belt as her token belt, and then I don't think Ida's really in a place where she needs a belt to remind everyone that she's being pushed. So I think that's just being kept on Micah. Okay. Do you want me to go through all of the matches or simply the title matches? Just be, just, just the important ones. Whatever you deem important. I'll just go through all of the cards. You don't have to give me predictions. I'll just ask for predictions to, regarding the title <laughs> matches. So we've got that opening. We've then got uh, Natsukatora and Konami versus Ruaka and Riho. We don't need to talk about that. Um, B Priestley and Saki Kashima taking on Natsupoi and Himika. Again, we don't need to talk about that. It's a throwaway tag. Um, we've then got the high-speed championship match between Azumi and Mei Hoshizuki from Marvelous. Do we both think Azumi here? Um, yeah, although I would love to see that surprise win because I've been delving into um, one of the lovely guys in the Discord sent us a wee playlist of um her great uh her best matches because be fair, i did ask for it a couple of podcasts back and i was watching some of them so good uh, drop kicks for days drop kicks for fucking day yeah thank you Valkage. um she is tremendous i think you did mention last podcast about the potential shock and then winning it back at an assemble show that could happen that could happen i mean we've got wrestlers wrestling in different promotions i mean you've got starlight kid doing singles matches in diana yeah, and <laughs> is it in the top? But no, that's a poor taste joke. I'm, I'm yeah, you are. Don't. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like if you're gonna do that kind of thing with any belt, 
the high speed belt is probably the best one to do it with. If you don't want your white belt or your red belt off of TV for um, a few months, you're not New Japan. So we who literally have had them um, any, ch- any chance to dish? Any chance to dish? Anyway, uh, I'm I'm that bitch. So yeah, I honestly still think that's a pretty good. Could I honestly think that's the best way to do it? Because I think maybe at that, that point have um have the shock win, have Natsupoi take it off her, and then that will set up the Azumi Natsupoi match. We then got the uh, six woman tag, the future of stars match with um Mayu Starlight and Goku and Death versus the Cosmic Angels. Where do you? Th- I imagine we're going to find out a little bit more about the stipulations of this match, what it actually entails for this group. War games, War games. <laughs> um, which would be incredible. I would love to see that. Um, what you know, everything that this match entails. I imagine we're going to see in the Corican mat, the Corican show on the sixteenth, uh, leading up to this show. What do you think? You've had a few more matches to have a look at, sort of the the lay of the land in terms of these two teams. What do you think we are going to see? Do you think stars are going to dissolve? Do you simply think that Tam, uh, Mina and Yunagi are just going to split off and create their own faction? I mean, they seem to be that at the moment anyway. So do you see Tam calling Mayu's bluff and saying, right, okay, if you you think you and Starlight are so strong, put the future of stars on the line? I am still not sure of the storyline where the fuck is going. I don't know I don't know where we're gonna end. That's the thing. They've added more layers, yeah. you know, with the whole Saida thing. Are we just gonna split into two factions? Because at the moment it seems like I say they're already a different faction. And and I honestly think like making that official is the best thing because um, with the amount of signing Sardin's been making recently, you have a few people just go just defaulting into stars and then just doing nothing. So I think this is the best thing you can really do with that. Also, you don't have a good heel faction roaming around, so we need a good heel faction roaming around. So that that'd be quite nice. Honestly, I think where it's going to end though is a no-ropes barbed wire exploding light tube deathmatch. Well, you have got death, Goku and death in there. It would make sense. Yeah. I I, I, I want this now. <laughs> I mostly want it because the whole time we were doing classics on our podcast, I never got you to watch a deathmatch, and I really want... Because you squirmed at um, Omega versus Moxley, so I kind of want to see what would happen when you watch like, a really over-the-top deathmatch. No, I didn't squirm at it. I just thought it was stupid. I mean, it was stupid, but I loved it. <laughs> the final two title matches then. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Julia versus Suri, so we won't spend too much time on that. Um, I am torn. Um, I, d- Nothing I knew you were going to sing that, Aline Brulia. <laughs> if this was it's a whole... Such... If this angle was to combine the two titles and get rid of the SWA title, I would say Julia. I mean, Suri does open up more challenges. Julia has run through a significant portion of your upper-level talent. So if Julia does beat Suri, who is then left 
to challenge Julia, you know, credibility wise. Jenakiyama. I'm going to say that. Um, because <laughs> I want it to happen. I'm going to do that in Fire Pro once we finish here. <laughs> so then, does Suri win? I, I don't know. I don't see Suri winning this, and I don't know why. But to be fair, I think there's still part of me that doesn't think um, Shiri's going to win anything because part of, part of me still thinks she's a freelancer when she's just mm. not. So, I yeah, I, I, I'm i feeling the same way going into this as I did Utami versus May, except with a hindsight of Utami versus May. Mm. <laughs> that anything can happen. I think that's... Yeah, that's the thing, because I was going in thinking, well, it could, Utami could beat May happen, and then she did. She did. So this could go literally either way. I don't know who you're going to book to face Julia. Like, has anyone pinned Julia recently? Konami. Oh. And that was back in the five star. I don't think Julia's been pinned since. Yeah, so like there's no one waiting in the wings. Saki. Really, is there? Saki. Uh, fine. Zaki's a decent filler defense, and she's been carrying a red on her back. So I don't think she's year end climax, she deserves... though. I mean, like, Konami was, and I get Konami's higher than Saki was now in terms of, like, perception, but in terms of, like, stature, she's second in a big fa- in one of the factions. So, in terms of sheer stature, it's there, and it sounds like year end climax is going to be a big show anyway. So, honestly, I think. Um, having such a big match like like for example, you think about the year in climax last year, um, where Hazuki's retirement match got weirdly lost in the shuffle because of what was surrounding it. Yeah. So I think honestly with like going into that show, your big target points are gonna be the red belt main event and um Tam and May. Those are gonna be your big things. So I think having a balls to the wall white belt match is just going to be pointless because it's going to get lost so i think having a further defense for the white belt on that and then giving a really good defense of the white belt on say um the anniversary show in january i think that's a decent enough way to do it because then like you have you can create a more you, you can create a more interesting challenger for julia for the biggest circumstance Main event then, red belt match between Utami the champion and the challenger Momo Watanabe. Chris, tell me who you think is going to win. Utami, Momo, who do you think wins? Us as fans win. Um, I'm trying to... I'm trying to think. I, I, it's funny because I was trying to remember who won in their five star match because to see who needs to win, but it was a draw, it was. wasn't it? So that was that was an ultimately pointless Google search. Um, I remember that match being quite good, actually. Well, of course it was. Um, do you think we're going to go longer than twenty minutes just because we went to a time limit, or do you think it's going to be shorter? I, I'm avoiding your question because I genuinely do not know. <laughs> um, I think they go longer than twenty. I think they go twenty-two. Yeah, <laughs> twenty minutes and one <laughs> second. Um, okay, so I'm in two minds here. For one, having no no defenses in your first title reign isn't the worst. Like, look at say Jay White, where he won the belt, lost it in his first defense, but it doesn't matter because now perpetually, when Jay White's in the world title match, it's possible that he can mm. win it. So, I think doing that with Utami isn't the worst thing in the world 
because quite frankly there's no shame for how long she's been wrestling there's no shame for winning the title and then losing in your first defense because she's gonna have plenty of time to win it back but at the same and at the same time if you if you were going to have mama win it here anyway why wouldn't you just have may hold on to it for another month and give it to mama it's it's all a bit because honestly, I think the original plan was that I think Momo was going to pin May at the um, Yokohama show, but it was originally planned that then this would be the end goal. But so I think we're just trying to get there in a weird roundabout mm-hmm. way. It's, I, I genuinely do not know. Because um, I'm trying to think what interesting programs there would be for Utami. I get like whoever she faces, it would probably be really good. She's a, she's like a genuine talent, but. Where the like, I don't know. I, I, I think I'd prefer a Momo win just because we've come off the back of such a long reign, and then it was a fairly long reign from B before that. It was like what six months. So I think having a short transitional reign would be something like just for the sake of something different. Like that, I think that's a good thing to do. So if I was booking it, I'd probably go Momo, but like. You never know if Sad. <laughs> you literally never know if Sad. Like B previously winning the title last year, I don't think anyone would have saw that coming. So Fair enough. And next time we come to you, ladies and gentlemen, we'll of course be reviewing the Osaka Dream Cinderella show. I will just say they have said that um this show will be on pay per view for Japanese audiences only, so thanks for that. Um, and it won't be uploaded to Stardom World until they have finished uploading the show from the previous day, the 19th. So uh, we've put down that it's going to be the 23rd that we release our Osaka Dream Cinderella show. It's going to be a case of whenever it is uploaded. Um, obviously, we've got the Christmas period and everything. It, it might be after, who knows? We will get it out as soon as is humanly possible, basically. Yeah, and to be fair, imagine like we're definitely not going to record a Christmas Day. We we have boundaries, but imagine <laughs> just sitting there having Christmas dinner over Zoom because the world's falling apart. I mean, it's just like, sorry, I need to go. I have a podcast. I have a podcast about Japanese women's wrestling. Yeah, my parents would love that. <laughs> um, no, every time it, it's actually really funny because um, I was talking to this girl and she's like, oh. Di- um, she was like, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. I'm like, oh, cool, I actually do one. And she's like, oh, what do you do it on? I'm like, D- do I give her the specific area or do I just say wrestling? <laughs> because if I said Japanese women's wrestling, I'm pretty sure she would never talk to me again. <laughs> like, that's something you save, you save until you show... Like, to be fair, I'm crazy to begin with. But that's something you don't reveal straight away. <laughs> Let's end with a couple of questions then, Chris. Just two questions for you quick. Fire. So the first one is from Pete Davis on Twitter. Um, he's just put, I think Starlight Kid has taken it to another level in the ring. She's always been quite confident talking to, etc. So what do you think her ceiling is? Um, I don't know, because I'm trying to think if there's been mass wrestlers, like not from Mexico in Sardin before. She's too young to really know straight away. But I think at the very least she's a contender. Yeah. Like at the very, very least. And then time will tell if she's someone who we can trust with the belt. For the most part, I think Stardom will trust 
any lifers with a belt and starlight definitely seems one like one of those people so it's a bit of a cop out answer i guess but like time will tell but as it stands she's definitely a contender i think at some point next year i wouldn't be surprised if she got a belt run at least in the next in the next two years definitely she's gonna get a shot at one of the big belts mm. i think I see her absolutely as a tag champ, and I think I've said before that I see her and Mayu as future tag champs in the next couple of months. I see her as a future wonder of stardom champion, a white belt champion. I think she could hold that belt really well. At the moment, I don't see her as a red belt champion. I think she could have matches for that red belt, and I think that they would be good matches. I just don't think that she would hold the red belt. I might be completely wrong. And do you know what? I hope I am. And I hope she has a great reign. But at the moment, I see her as a good white belt champion. But I don't see her as a red belt champion, basically. And then our final question is from at Arandi Sally on uh, Twitter. I've probably butchered that. I apologize. My pronunciation is terrible. Uh, and they've put New Japan sold 3,500 tickets in Budokan last Friday. What are your expectations for stardom? So I'll go first on this, Chris. Obviously, it's difficult with COVID. You know, I'm going to preface everything we say on this question with it's difficult to say because of COVID. Um, and obviously we didn't draw tremendously well in Sendai. However, this is Tokyo. It's a market that stardom are very familiar and are very popular in. Um, I don't think they will be aiming for 3,500 tickets. I just, I don't think they would sell that, especially at the moment. I think if they can draw 2,000 tickets, something around that, they would consider that a success. Anything from 2,000 up to maybe... 2,300, they would consider that a success. Anything below that, you know, it depends as well on how many tickets they actually allocate because they have different staging setups and all sorts. New Japan know that they are going to sell a lot of tickets to Budokan. Stardom, this is the first time they've ran Budokan. So if you're looking at it as pure numbers and not taking anything else into account, I would argue between 2000 and 2200 300 if you look at it with you know this is the first time that they've ran budokan the how many tickets are they going to release um how ambitious are they going to be what card are they going to put on you know you're going to get a banger red belt defense you're going to get a banger white belt defense but then you've got your guest slots you've got your special singles matches chris you've talked about Kyrie sane you know or Kyrie hojo who you know it it probably isn't going to happen but you know you bring her in as a special singles as an exhibition match that's another big draw you know her return to stardom that's a massive draw so i would argue if stardom managed to draw around 2200 to budokan which is significantly bigger than when they sold out Corican, obviously. I think that's I think that is a good starting point. And that's assuming that, you know, COVID restrictions haven't been lifted by then. You know, that's assuming that things haven't changed in Japan by then. March is a long time away. So we'll wait and see. I'm sorry if that's a vague answer, but that's sort of my inner monologue on the situation. Chris. Um, I'm looking at 
because this was originally going to be there. I think the original like rumor was this was going to be Sumo Hall, and it sort of moved to Budokan because we need a bigger venue to accommodate what they would have had in Sumo Hall. So in terms of like similar sizes, I don't actually know what the numbers are in Japan, but like in terms of like companies that aren't New Japan running Sumo Hall recently, it was Noah and DDT last year, and they drew around five thousand. So I don't think Stardom would have been quite expecting that because um, these, these shows were absolutely fucking loaded. I mean, Kenny Omega was on the DDT show. So I think around the number you gave is about what we can expect. I, th- I think like double a Corican show and Stardom will be happy. You think? Yeah. Yeah, so... they'd have, they have to pull out... I mean, it goes without saying that they have to pull out the card of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they will. To be honest, uh, yeah. And to, but I th- they'll do the best with what they can get because obviously, like, we don't know how many like outsiders they'll be able to bring in just because of them being stuck in different countries. Um, apparently, um, I've forgotten the name now, but um, the planning on hang on i'm gonna look up her name entertain the masses while i look up <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about to be perfectly honest mate uh, it's a it's a former champion and she shot on people uh, and it was a time hang on it is yoshiko yoshiko okay um i'm trying to scroll up the discord because we were talking about it, her the other night and she's have you heard about the stardom shoot i incident? have yes and i've seen it <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's horrific, isn't it? Um, it's her, the blonde, the blonde girl who did yeah. the shooting. Um, she's rumored to be coming back for that. So, like, we are pulling, uh, pulling out people. Mm. So that, so like, we are gonna, uh, but like, the eternal question right now is because in reality, this is in March, isn't it, or February? It's no, not it's for a while. March. March. So like, they have so many months to build this with, like, in. And I get we talk about someone like Wrestle Kingdom that far out, but that's mostly because of the G1. In reality, we look how much stardom changed between um, just January and March this year before mm. lockdown. And then factor, in, factor that into the fact that that's longer away, that time span. So we genuinely do not know what they're going to pull out. I think we're going to draw respectively. Like we've run Sumo Hall before, I believe. So, like, they—they're not, they're not alien to running such big events, and they've pulled respectable numbers for ages now. Like, selling—they've been outdrawing in Corican Hall people like All Japan, who like have some really big stars there. So, honestly, I—I I don't think it's going to be if it's like same restrictions as we have now. I don't think it's going to be thirty-three hundred because New Japan are going to draw bonkers amounts. It's like comparing WWE running a venue to say Ring of Honor running a venue. Not so I think it's gonna be respectable numbers. It's not gonna be New Japan numbers. I think we'd be insane to think it would be New Japan numbers. Because you look at when again when DDT ran a big venue like that, they threw absolutely everything at the show and it was six hours long and <laughs> for fuck's sake. But um same with Noah, like they threw in they threw in they brought in like Muta, they had their biggest feud um headline it, and then they had something crazy like Tanaguchi and Vegeta and the undercard. So 
I think with I think the best point comparison we can really draw with that is maybe because Noah's running Budokan in February. So I think once we see those numbers, we can kind of know what to expect from the stardom attendance. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, also, they can't be any worse than what um, Noah's doing for their Budokan show because they're bringing out fucking Keiji Muto. <laughs> I'm I'm still mad about it. I'm still fucking mad about it. Of all the people to do it, your big return to Budokan. Fucking Keiji Muto. <laughs> Fuck off. Also, you said that was our last question, but there's a question here from a lad in the Discord. A very handsome lad, I might add, um, called Chris0401. And he's asked, um, do you, what do you think of the new Taylor Swift album? And do you think it's topped a previous effort with Folklore? So we'll stop the podcast there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I think <laughs> we've gone on long enough on what we're effectively road two shows. Like I said before, we will be back to review Osaka Dream Cinderella. It's just dependent on A, when Stardom actually uploaded, and B, the Christmas period. So we will keep you informed via Discord and via Twitter, so please keep your eyes out there. Our Stardom Cast end of year awards will be out as soon as the Osaka Dream show is in the can, and we've seen it, so that we can add some matches to our ballot and the show to the ballot if it's an absolute belter, which in theory it should be. So please Keep your eye out for that. Keep to Twitter and Discord for any updates regarding that. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. You can, of course, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. It really does help the podcast out. Check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk, where you can check out all of our archived podcast episodes as well as all of our match ratings and the like. You can find us on Twitter at at the Stardomcast. Uh, you can talk to me on Twitter at at Real Rob Goodwin. Chris, he says with fucking hesitancy. Uh, oh, you can't find me on Twitter. I'm I, well, I am on there, but I don't use it because I don't like conversations. You can only have just if you want to talk to me, join our Discord. It's a nice Discord, but no, no one's an asshole, and that's very rare in wrestling spaces so join our discord as long as you're not an asshole but i'm pretty sure you're not an asshole <laughs> yeah it's a great great advocacy for our uh, for our discord our discord's great come and join us um but yeah thank you so much for listening guys and we will talk to you guys again soon BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.